You are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Wednesday, May 18th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. When the Founding Fathers ratified the Second Amendment, did they foresee the rise of so-called ghost guns? The California Report looks at the proliferation of the homemade weapons, which can't be traced with serial numbers. A growing number of cities are moving to ban them. After regional news and weather, where did the bear cross the road? Right on Zion Street in Nevada City. Plus, Felton Pruitt tells us about a benefit for Sierra Roots. It's all coming up in the next half hour. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. In this third year of the California drought, state leaders touted investments in water recycling this week while visiting a facility in Southern California. KQED's Vanessa Rancaño reports. By early June, the entire state will be under either a local or state mandate to conserve water. But State Senator Steve Bradford warned that's not enough. We need to promote not only conservation, but innovative technology such as this recycling plant and desalinization efforts throughout California. Governor Gavin Newsom called the water recycling plant in Carson one of the most promising technologies for ensuring water security. Water recycling is about finding new water, not just accepting the scarcity mindset, being more resourceful in terms of our approach. Last year's state budget put $5.2 billion towards drought-proofing the state. This year, Newsom is proposing another $2 billion. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño. Let's turn to sports. Chase Center in San Francisco takes center stage tonight as the Golden State Warriors take on the Dallas Mavericks in Game 1 of the NBA Western Conference Finals. Tip-off is set for 6 p.m. Here is Warriors star guard Steph Curry. It's a tough matchup. We obviously know we had to be prepared on both ends. You know, our game plan, understanding that things will change as the series goes on once we get a, a better feel for what they're like in a playoff, you know, series game after game. But in the Western Conference Finals, figure it out. Try to protect home court like we've done. Curry says after a couple of injury-plagued years for the Warriors, it's nice to be contending again. We're hungry enough knowing we haven't been on the radar for the last two years in terms of being realistic championship contenders, and now we're knocking on the doorstep of getting back to the finals. Warriors head coach Steve Kerr will be back on the bench tonight after missing the last three games following a positive COVID-19 test. Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org slash health dash equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org. We're going to turn now to a type of firearm that's of growing concern in California. We start in San Diego and a deadly incident that happened in April of last year. Here's coverage from ABC affiliate KGTV. We want to take you back to the breaking news from overnight. Deadly shooting spree in the gas lamp quarter. A gunman going block by block downtown, opening fire on bystanders. A suspect is in custody this morning. One person was killed and four wounded in that mass shooting. 
The suspect, Travis Sareshte, who will soon stand trial, is accused of using a home-assembled firearm without a serial number in his rampage. It's called a ghost gun. Despite the state's tough firearm laws, ghost guns have become increasingly linked to crime in California, say law enforcement officials. Over half of our uh, investigations involve a ghost gun in some manner. That's Stephen Galloway, assistant special agent in charge of the L.A. field office of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Galloway explained to the California report just why ghost guns used in crimes are so difficult to investigate versus factory-made guns. So a standard firearm that goes to a a manufacturer such as Glock or Smith & Wesson will have a serial number and markings that allow us to identify the history of that firearm. When I say history, we can go back to when that firearm was manufactured, when it went to the licensed dealer, and then when it was ultimately sold to the first purchaser. That provides us with a crucial piece of evidence, especially when we're talking about a homicide. With a ghost gun, we don't have that, right? And absent that serial number, uh, we would have nowhere to start. And along with being difficult to trace, ghost gun components, which are sold legally most places in the U.S., are pretty easy to assemble into fully functioning weapons. Just go to YouTube and you'll find plenty of step-by-step DIY tutorials. Grab a little flathead, hold up the spring, stick the, the mag release in there, and it'll click in. Simple. Look at that, fellas. And when it comes to ghost guns that are seized by California law enforcement, one manufacturer comes up again and again, Nevada-based Polymer 80 or Poly 80. Assembled Poly 80 guns have been used in such incidents as the shooting and wounding of two L.A. County Sheriff deputies in Compton in September of 2020. Those deputies are suing the company for negligence and marketing the firearms in California. The LAPD says that almost 90% of the ghost guns it sees are made from kits containing poly-80 components. The ATF Stephen Galloway says a kind of mystique has grown up around the company's products in the California gun world, including among suspects apprehended for murders and other crimes. Often, even uh, when when we discuss with individuals who are found with the ghost guns, you hear the term poly-80. A lot of times the, the firearm is referred to as a poly-80 ghost gun. Thank you for calling Polymer 80. If you know the extension of the person you wish to speak to, please dial it now. We reached out to Polymer 80 multiple times for an interview, but received no response. Meanwhile, federal, state, and local governments are trying to tackle the proliferation of ghost guns from Polymer 80 and other manufacturers. President Biden has unveiled proposals to require people buying ghost gun components to pass a background check and require that the weapons come with traceable serial numbers. California's Attorney General Rob Bonta has joined a lawsuit filed by California cities against ghost gun manufacturers. Meanwhile, last week, San Jose became the latest California city to ban the possession and sale of ghost guns. It joined San Francisco, Oakland, Los Angeles, and San Diego, which passed its ban in the wake of that downtown mass shooting last year. Marnie Van Wilpert is a San Diego City Council member who authored the ghost gun ban. The goal of this ordinance is to do is to prohibit these unserialized parts from even entering the city of San Diego at all. 
Earlier this month, San Diego marked the first conviction of a person in violation of the city's ghost gun ban. Meanwhile, gun rights activists say such prohibitions on home-assembled weapons will be ineffective. They argue if people really want to make a ghost gun, they'll find a way, no matter what the restrictions. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, May 18th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good day. In regional news, KVMR's Steve Baker presented a lovely tribute to Saul Rayo on this morning's news update. Saul, a mainstay of the musical community here in Nevada County, died Monday. You can re-listen to that tribute at the kvmr.org archives or as a podcast. Another well-known longtime member of our community, Marina Bokelman, also passed away on Monday at the age of 80. Longtime friend Rick Peltier tells us that Marina died peacefully at her home in Grass Valley. Marina moved to the San Juan Ridge in 1979 and was widely known as a musician, folklorist, author, archivist, herbalist, and healer. A friend described her as a walking encyclopedia of American folk music and pre-war blues. For three years, Marina hosted a show on KVMR called Folk Plus. She wrote several books on wide-ranging subjects, including embroidery, herbal healing, and growing and using tobacco. She had been working for several years on a book co-authored with David Evans called Going Up the Country, Adventures in Blues Fieldwork in the 1960s. The book, which is to be published in November, chronicles her experiences in the 1960s doing fieldwork with blues legends in the Deep South. On YouTube, you can find several videos of Marina performing live in the studio at KVMR and in concert. I had the pleasure of interviewing Marina Bokelman about her life in December 2017 on The Sages Among Us on KVMR. Among many topics, Marina talked about her travels as a young woman into the Deep South researching blues artists. Later, Marina received a California Arts Council grant that took her into the schools and community of the San Juan Ridge. Three days a week, I would take my guitar, go into the Oak Tree School, and sing with the kids in grades K through 8. With the older kids, I would gear the songs, the topics of the songs, to whatever they were studying in in social studies program. Then the second part was the elders. I did oral histories with the old timers on the ridge, the people who were the descendants of the folks who came for the gold rush. And I also documented uh, community events, both at the fire hall, which was the center of the old timers community, and at the cultural center, the North Columbia Schoolhouse Cultural Center, which was the center, cultural center for the incomers or hippies. Marina's oral histories from the Ridge are preserved at the Searles Historical Library in Nevada City. A date for a celebration of Marina's life will be announced in the near future. The interview from 2017 on Sages Among Us will be rebroadcast in June on KVMR. Every morning on his news updates on KVMR, Steve Baker always lets us know which notable people are celebrating their birthdays that day. I'm here to report that today is the birthday of Mr. Steve Baker himself, the hardest working man in radio. 
Turning to the regional forecast, hot sunny days will continue for the next week and perhaps beyond. The National Weather Service has issued a red flag warning from 11 a.m. Thursday to 8 p.m. Friday due to critical fire conditions, including gusty winds and low humidity. Winds will be strongest Thursday night through Friday morning in the western Sacramento Valley and coastal range foothills with gusts of up to 45 miles per hour. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, mostly clear with a low of 59. Sunny Thursday with a high near 81 and a low of 51. Winds of 6 to 14 miles per hour are expected Thursday with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Tonight in Truckee and Lake Tahoe, mostly clear with a low in the mid-40s. Winds 5 to 10 miles per hour becoming light and variable in the evening with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Thursday, sunny with a high of 71 and wind gusts of up to 30 miles per hour. Thursday night, clear with a low of 32. This evening in Sacramento and Woodland will be mostly clear with a low around 68. Winds of up to 15 miles per hour are expected with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Thursday will be sunny with a high of 93. Northwest winds of 8 to 13 miles per hour will increase to 16 to 21 miles per hour Thursday morning with isolated gusts as high as 26 miles per hour. Thursday night will be breezy with a low of 59, winds 17 to 22 miles per hour, and gusts as high as 32 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Eyewitness News from KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza, who consulted Ann Bryant of Bear League about a wild sight he encountered earlier today right here in Nevada City. This morning at around 11 o'clock, as I was driving into Nevada City on Zion Street, I saw what looked to be about a 400, my best guess is about a 400-pound bear very casually crossing Zion Street. I have the great pleasure of talking with Ann Bryant. She's the executive director of the Bear League in Lake Tahoe. Ann, how are you today? Hi, I'm really good. And it's exciting that you saw a bear there and you didn't panic. Good for you. (laughs) My first reaction was disbelief. It was very surreal because I've driven down that road hundreds of times. And to see this bear, as I said, very casually crossing the street with not a care in the world really made me think twice about what I was seeing. We've had calls for many years from your area, Grass Valley, Nevada City. There are quite a few bears there. They're usually not right in town, but they've been there. You know, this is is absolutely bear habitat. The vegetation and the acorns, I mean, in the fall, uh, the, the blackberry bushes, it's definitely really prime bear habitat. So it's not completely insane to think that you would see them, but it does surprise people. Is this the time of year where they're coming out of their hibernation, or has that happened a little while ago? The bears come out of hibernation in March, and by the end of March, they're all out except for the mothers with the new cubs that were born in January. They're too tiny to come out yet, but they're now mostly out too. They start coming out in April 
and by the middle of May, they are all emerged as well. So all, the bears have not, been, none of them have been in hibernation for a month or two. How far does a bear travel from the place that it hibernated? They travel quite a distance, especially single solitary males. Uh, it's not abnormal for them to go uh, easily 10 to 20 miles in a day. He probably did hibernate somewhere not too far away from where you saw him. And he's just cruising around looking for some good habitat, maybe looking for some girls. Mating season starts in, um, in, in a month or two, and he'll be definitely interested in that. But I'm thinking that he probably was in a den somewhere pretty close to where you saw him, and no one would even have known. What is your recommendation? What does the Bear League recommend people do when they encounter a bear outside of what we would normally think their natural habitat is? What should I have done seeing this bear crossing Zion Street today? What we warn against is overreacting and panicking. The bear is not going to do anything. Uh, He's just casually walking across the street to get where he was going from where he was, and that's normal. So the best thing to do is just not approach him. Keep this in mind all the time. There's never been a case in written history anywhere in California, Nevada, or Oregon of a black bear killing anybody. They're not dangerous man-eating monsters that are out there, and if you run into one or you get anywhere near one, your life is in danger. If that was the case, there would be no human beings left in Tahoe because there are a lot of bears in Tahoe, and we see them every day. They hibernate under our houses. They give birth to their babies in dens that are in our crawl spaces. They're out on our decks at night looking into our kitchen windows and testing it to see if it's left unlocked so they can come in. So let's talk about that. Could you offer some tips on how people can bear-proof their their homes, maybe take steps to discourage bears from hanging around? You know, it's, it's a little bit complicated because people can only do what they are allowed to do with their own home. In other words, you can't go down to the restaurant and make them bear-proof. You can encourage it, and uh, the trash companies can start purchasing the bear-proof dumpsters, which is something that a human hand can open, but a bear paw can't. But for the home and for the yard of the average citizen that lives in this area, our recommendation is definitely do not put any bird seed out. Bears call that bear seed. That's an enticement. It's a matter of securing all these uh, food attractants. There's, There's two rules that a bear goes by. One is, if I can smell it and I can get it, it's mine. And they live by that. That was Ann Bryant, executive director of Bear League, an organization whose aim is to educate the public in order to keep bears safe and wild in their natural habitat. Their website is savebears.org. Tomorrow is Thankful Thursday at the Wild Eye Pub in Grass Valley. A multimedia musical extravaganza is on tap at the pub to benefit Sierra Roots and its services to bring relief to the unhoused. KVMR's Felton Pruitt has all the details. Coming up on Thursday, May 19th, Sierra Roots, Nevada County's Frontline Homeless Services Project, is putting on a benefit at the Wild Eye Pub. We're talking with Beth Moore from the pub. Howdy, Beth. Hi there. 
So tell us a little bit about what's happening tomorrow night. All righty. Well, we're so pleased to include in this month's Thankful Thursday series, which we kicked off last November, continuing this month with a benefit for Sierra Roots. They deliver homeless services out and about to folks who need them who may not be benefiting from traditional venue-based services. And in addition, just spreading the word about homeless needs and the state of folks who do not have homes or houses at this time. We're doing it as really a, a multimedia event. It will start out with a few songs and a wonderful concert from Bob Woods and Juliet Gobert, who've written some music that is related to this theme. And so they'll kick it off. And then we will move to some video shorts from the No Place to Go video project by Tom Durkin. And he's got some really neat interviews he's done with some local folks who are themselves dealing with the issues of being houseless and what their lives are like and and what they would like to see different and what they hope for. Those will be interspersed between the presentations that will then follow from Home Path, which is a just-getting-off-the-ground group trying to create a resource center for folks who at least need some interim spaces to be and to have resources, and then followed by a presentation from Sierra Roots about what they're doing and their outreach services. And then after that, we will have Beth Whittlesey hosting a Mythbusters quiz to see just how much people know about homeless life, and especially in our community, and that will include prizes. And that whole thing will wrap up with a Q&A at the end in case there are questions yet unanswered and any other information people are looking for. So we should be wrapping it up, you know, 6.30 to 8.30 and doors open at 6 o'clock. This is all happening tomorrow night, Thursday, May 19th at the Wild Eye Pub. And, you know, I've heard Bob and Juliet play the song No Place to Go at your pub. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. They wrote it. Tom has recorded it. They did a, a really nice presentation of it here recently. Bob and Juliet, they're being so gracious to come in and do a short presentation for this event as part of the fundraiser uh, because they're supporters of this and as is everybody else that evening. And we're really excited to host a whole variety of folks just coming together to shine a light on homeless needs and homeless services and some of the really great projects that are underway that people might want to get involved in. Even if they don't have money to spend at this fundraiser, they may want to just uh, come be part of the really cool projects that are coming up that will bring some relief and support and services to our houseless population around here. Well, Beth, thanks for all that you're doing over there. Give folks a phone number where they can call you to get more information. Thanks very much, Felton. They can reach us here at the pub at 530-446-6668. And there's also more details about it on our Facebook page and our website at wildeyepub.com. All right, that's Beth Moore from the Wild Eye Pub. The benefit tomorrow night for Sierra Roots. Good luck. Thank you. That's our newscast. KVMR Community Radio gets support from State of California and the California Earned Income Tax Credit. 
informing Nevada County's Hispanic population that filing taxes can support the immigration process, provide access to public programs, also yield possible tax credits and returns. More information, mycaleitc.org and Sierra College Nevada County Campus, offering degrees and educational programs for training for a job or a career. Fall registration is now open with online registration at sierracollege.edu slash you can. This is Joyce Miller signing off. I'll be taking a break from anchoring the news for the next three months, but I'll be right back in the anchor chair in early August. Thank you.